Rise and shine, Mr. Freeman. Be careful of what you do. Big Brother is watching you. You say that you got me all in the mugging. Rather than offer you the illusion of free choice, I will take the liberty of choosing for you. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the first edition of the Hurricane Labs podcast for Splunk. I'm Bill Matthews. I'm Ian Gillespie. I'm Kelsey Clark. And I'm Tim Baldwin. So I guess we're going to talk about Splunk 6.3 since that's the big news. I really like it so far. I found out today something that was not in our blog post. Really? It was really cool. What's that? Well, I don't know, honestly, if it's cool yet, because I just discovered it about 15 minutes ago. So Splunk has this app called Hunk, which basically allows you to talk to Hadoop servers. Right. And so I was messing around. I was, I was, in, I was doing something else, and I just hadn't noticed it on my dev box. But I clicked on it, and I saw this thing called virtual indexes, which is how Hunk does that. Basically, it lets you have a mock indexer over top of a Hadoop backend. And it was just really cool because it was just the version you download. Like, I hadn't licensed it or anything. And I thought it was really cool that that was in there. I, I don't actually know why it's in there yet. I haven't really looked yet. Literally found it 15 minutes ago. That's awesome. We, we split the podcast up into little sections. So we're going to have Splunk boos and Splunk yays. So the obvious boo is they upgraded the Splunk Cloud to 6.3 and now you can't install apps. I heard there was a lot of things you couldn't do after the Well, that, that was my understanding, too. <laughs> I don't know how much that's all gotten worked out yet or whatever, but I wasn't particularly thrilled with it. So that's my, uh, that's my Splunk boo of the day. In general, though, 6.3, I think, is a giant Splunk yay because it has a lot of features in it that I know I've been asking for, and I, I suspect I'm sure they didn't make 6.3 just for me, or they would have called it the bill release, but they didn't. There, there were a lot of features in there that – Customers have been asking about for sure. That's that's the thing that I was. So happy you to wrote see. the blog post, so I'm gonna let you go over uh, some of them. Oh yeah, and then I'll heckle you later. I, I did write the blog post. That means that I'm awesome. No, it just means that I'm a big fat nerd. Um, <laughs> there were a couple of things I wanted to highlight from there, though. But the big thing from .com from the keynote was two times faster searching and indexing. Right. Well, e- kind of, sorta. Every vendor everywhere says their ne- new release makes everything faster. Yes. What was cool was they actually released information about what the hell that, that actually means. And what they actually mean by that is now searches and indexing processes actually use more than one core at a time. So if you have overspecced your boxes, now you can actually use those extra resources. And how many people have overspecked their boxes? Almost none. Yeah, okay. That's what I thought. <laughs> so that's why it's kind of sort of. If your box is already kind of hosed, like 90% of all of the boxes are, it's not going to help you. The things that we are excited about are uh, the scheduler improvements. Woo-hoo. So before, it was basically everything that was scheduled to run at time X was sorted alphabetically, and it ran in order. If it ran out of resources, too bad, so sad, your search didn't run. So the same searches kept getting skipped over and over right. and over. They changed it so that it not only randomizes the order so that the same searches don't get run, or don't get skipped all the time, they added priority scoring yep. based on a whole bunch of factors, but basically it's so that the same if the if a search gets skipped, it gets a better priority the next time. There's also windowing, so you can say I want this to run at 4 a.m., but it can run at 3 a.m. an hour earlier if you have extra resources. 
So really what that does is it allows searches to run early if there's available resources to allow them to run early to get them out of the way so that other stuff can right. run at that time. So right. that's an important safety tip if your um, report is time sensitive. Yes. Because you need to make sure you, it's okay to run it an hour earlier. And I think you can say don't do that, but I'm not 100% sure. Yeah, you, you have to specifically tell it what right. when okay. how long before the search I, I could just see uh, the call coming in, hey, the search was scheduled at 4 a.m. and I wanted data up until 3.59 a.m. because I've seen that happen. Yep. And then if they schedule, you know, if the scheduler decided, yeah, I'll make it 3 a.m., I can see that being a support call. Yeah, yeah. So you can definitely configure that and that you set that on a per search basis. Cool. Uh, what that window is going to be like for that search. I do like that feature. I, actually, all of the new um, scheduling and alert features in general I really like. I like all the changes to the alerts. That's the other thing I wanted to talk about was the, the new custom alert stuff. Yeah. If you wanted a script to run as an alert action, you had to put it into bin scripts Yep. In in the root of Splunk Home, you couldn't package those with apps. And now you can package those with an app. You can have configuration UI, all kinds of cool stuff with the, the custom alert action. And before it was a pain even just for the email action to yep. test it. Now there's a command to actually say, okay, go run this alert action based on some ad hoc search results. So you can make it run a script uh, to open a ticket or send an alert or whatever. Testing. Colton would be so proud. <laughs> he really would be. He would love that so much. But like uh, anytime any vendor releases some new major code, we always recommend waiting until the first patch release. So 631 is where we're looking for to start actually upgrading customers. I think we should just upgrade everyone all at once and be done with it. It worked so well in Splunk Cloud. I think we should just do <laughs> that across brilliant. the board. brilliant, yes. Upgrade all of our customers all at once with apparently no testing. Oh, I can't that's... wait until the Splunk people hear this. I can't wait for the emails I'm going to get about this. <laughs> hey, if we're trying to be like Splunk, that's what we would do. That's true. No, I'm sure they tested it, and it just worked differently in production. It worked in their test single instance. Hey, I've been a victim of that, so I can sympathize. <laughs> hey, this worked on my test box, but it doesn't work in this completely distributed environment. Uh-oh. Those were the, the big things that I thought were really cool out of here. And Tim's blog post is up on our website and will be in the show notes. It's called Splunk All the Things. What will you see in 6.3? Yep. I've even got uh, the breakdown of the exact formula for the, the new scheduler. Woohoo! Yeah, I saw that. So, you know, if you like math and stuff. <laughs> no. No? You don't? No, uh-uh. yeah, that's shocking. I don't, I don't like oh, that. Oh, there, there was one caveat I wanted to point out was uh, DB Connect 2, upgrade it to the latest release before you upgrade Splunk because it just, it'll break. Nice. Ian, is there anything on your end that you're finding is improved or interesting with Splunk 6.3? One thing that I'm surprised wasn't added to Splunk before now was uh, having data overlay. So actually seeing in your charts, like, the count of the chart, that was a big thing. That was a big yay from me because before I had to use a custom library to make that happen for clients. So that's kind of the only big thing that I've noticed so far on my end. Some stuff looks better, like single values and stuff like that. They just look better. Yeah, they, they do. They, so. they, they are presented a lot better now in the visualizations that are included in 6.3. Have you played with any of the new map visualizations? I have not. Those look really cool. It's uh, Instead of just like a, a dot with a number on it, it's uh, basically a pie graph that you can put anywhere. Uh, it's yeah. uh, actually like the shape of the states and all that stuff, like oh, actual that's maps. Cool. That's pretty cool. are supposed to look. 
And wait until 6.31. 6.3.1, though. What, is, <laughs> what yeah, does that that's, mean? That's the service release. So okay. Basically, the way we've always told customers, and this is the history of the company, through firewalls, through whatever, don't. And again, most IT people just kind of get this. Some don't. I don't care how big your data is. Just upgrading to a point zero release of anything is a terrible idea. Don't ever do it. 631, at least, it's not that you won't have any problems. It's that, in theory, people have already had tons of the other problems. So let them have those problems. At least the major common problems that you're more likely to see. The second mouse always gets the cheese. Great. (laughs) (laughs) Are there any other comments about Uh, There was one boo about 6.3, and that's the uh, single sign-on. Yay, they have SAML single sign-on, but... But it only works with this one service. One service. Uh, I don't have what that is off the top of my head, but something that I've never heard of before in my life. A federation ID, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, No, that's actually pretty common. That seems to be the one everybody starts with. Is it? Yeah. It's like everybody goes, we have single sign-on. With Federation ID. And then, uh, and then they, they u- upgrade to something real? Yeah. I th- <laughs> well, I think Federation ID is one of those things. And again, Splunk is as guilty of this as anyone. It's really cool on the West Coast and everybody uses ah. it. But in the real world, <laughs> like, you know, where it isn't sunny all the time, Yeah, uh, people use other things. Where people come into the office before 10 o'clock. Right, right. They come oh, into the okay. office before 10. <laughs> I mean, not here, but at some places. No, at some places. <laughs> right. All right. Well, I'm wondering about ITSI. ITSI, Splunk's IT. Oh, so the, that's their... Um, service intelligence. Yes, that's, that's Splunk's service intelligence. Where does this come into play? So that's more for operational stuff and not security stuff. Okay. Um, it's actually really cool, but basically what it allows you to do is it allows you to classify all of your systems so you can say, these systems are for my portal. Now go tell me how well my portal is performing and alert me when it's doing bad things. They've really done a lot of interesting visualizations around that and interesting, like, ways to manage it. So you can drag and drop. You can do a bunch of other things. So it's really cool. If you want a demo, you can go to Splunk.com, and they'll do, like, a sandbox demo for you, uh, which is way cooler than having anybody else do it because it just kind of works. I don't know that it's actually released yet, though. I think it's still just, like, not beta so much as just pre-release software. Um, But they have, like, a a canned demo thing you can mess around with in their cloud and – I did it for a little bit. It, it looks really cool. It does exactly what they claim it does. The, the coolest thing about ITSE that we saw was the glass tables. Basically, you upload an image or a oh, map yeah. or something, and you can drop your performance indicators right on your map. So you can do like a network diagram that shows right. all of your – how everything's interconnected, and then a little thing showing the status of all of the different parts. Right. Or you can show like a rack of servers and then drop in the performance number for like each server, exactly. which is kind of neat. I'm going to put Ian out of business. About time. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, since it's not as uh, security related, it seems pretty cool, though. But... It is really cool. I mean, it's not that operational stuff isn't security related. It's just not directly applicable. Sure. So. Okay. Well, how about the Internet of Things? How will Splunk Analytics be helpful when it comes to IoT? Well, when my Nest says that it's 72 degrees, but then I come home and it's 60 degrees, <laughs> I would like to be able to Splunk that and find out why it's lying. To you me. absolutely can. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I'm just saying that's what I would like to do. So but there's a use case right there. I think that's the biggest um, – honestly, that's the biggest use case for any of these Internet of Things kinds of stuff is giving you the ability to analyze your own data and figure out, you know, like how you do how you do things. So, like, you know, people like Splunk their Fitbits and, and figure out when they're the most active. And that, I mean, Fitbit gives you, like, that information so you can get it. 
But like, I'd like to be able to correlate that with how hot is it outside or what the humidity was like or something like that. Or like for me, I splunk the weather data and then I map when I have asthma issues so that I can kind of tell. And then I can tell my doctor, you know, my doctor who should have actually recommended this but didn't. I can tell my doctor exactly what the weather was like, the pollen count and everything so they can figure out if the asthma is just, I don't know, they have words for it. But basically if it's just asthma or if it's an allergy problem. So it's actually a really cool little chart overlay that my doctor seems to really like. That's my number one useful thing for the Internet of Things. Even though none of that stuff's really like a thing, the weather comes off my phone, I suppose, because it's, you know, it's got to track where I am. And the other data I enter myself, I suppose at some point I could figure out how to hook up a sensor to my inhaler and it can just track whenever I use my inhaler. Hmm. That might be a useful thing to do with Arduino. But anyway, it, it basically allows you to hack your own data, which is kind of great. As long as these companies don't start closing it off, because that's what a lot of them's doing. And then you can't you can't spunk it because the data is locked away somewhere. Yeah, the the awesome part is to correlate, right? The right. I've I've got device X. I can get like the Fitbit, right? right? Fitbit shows you all these cool visualizations, but how am I going to relate that to everything else I'm doing? Like, right. Or like Ian's point, you know, the Nest. It, it's a great little device, but you know, I went home yesterday. I think it was like 50 degrees outside. And my Nest decided that the air conditioning needed to be on 65. And I was like, no, stop doing that. Please stop doing that. And then even though you tell it, don't do that, it still does it sometimes. It's kind of weird. but Well, so would you say that this is further blurring the lines between, you know, the digital and the physical sure. world? Okay. I mean, it's the democratization of your own personal data. It's great. Eventually, you know, people will be, you know, it, maybe it's Splunk, maybe it's not. I certainly hope it is. But, you know, they'll be splunking their personal data. So I worked out yesterday. I burned whatever calories. Here was my playlist. This is what I was listening to. This is the time I worked out. This is what I had for breakfast so that you kind of get an idea of, oh, these are the things I need to do to optimize my workout. That's a very useful use of your own data. With the new alert action stuff, um, it'd be interesting to see some of that coming back out of Splunk and turning down your or up your your Nest thermometer thingy. I I don't have fancy things in my house, so uh, I don't know what half this stuff does. But, uh, you know, getting stuff back out so that you can actually do some things with your Internet of Things. It'd be really cool if, you know, all right, so when I work out, I always burn calories to up-tempo songs, right? So all of a sudden Apple Music, because it's Apple Music, decides, ah, you really want to listen to a slower song. I could then have I could have an alert action that says, "Hey, the tempo and the music went down. Let's let's crank it back up." I mean, yeah. in theory, you could do all of those things. The Jurassic Park theme song again? <laughs> I can't run to this. <laughs> oh, no, I could run very very fast to that. Right. Actually, could just play like a Velociraptor sounds in my ear. I would run. Yes, exactly. Well, there's that app that's completely off topic, but there's that app that makes the the zombie sounds. Oh, that, that like app is the greatest app you. on the earth, and it's got like action music and stuff. It's great. Is, you know about, never, I, no, oh, I don't know about that. Oh, I don't. I forget what it's called, but it basically, it puts you in the middle of like a zombie thing. So you're running, but while you're running, you're listening to like a soundtrack. You're listening to zombies approaching you. You're basically running for your life. And it really does work. Like, it does get you to a point where you're like, eh, I better run. And then when you go back and you look, it shows you, like, on a map where the zombies almost got you and that stuff. It's, it's really cool. But I can't remember the name. It might even just be Zombie Run or something like that. Maybe I'll find that and put it in the show notes. Who knows? I'm looking for it right now. <laughs> Tim, Tim's <laughs> trying to find it. 
while he's looking for that, can we backtrack a little bit? And no. well, why? Okay, sure. Come on. <laughs> Since you asked so nicely, <laughs> please continue, sir. <laughs> Um, for those listening who may not be as familiar with Splunk, can we quickly touch on some points about what Splunk does and what are some things that it brings to the table, particularly for us and our security use cases? Sure, but first, uh, the app is called Zombie Run. Okay, cool. Zombie comma run. I'll have to get that. So Tim found it. It's awesome. <laughs> I'm downloading it right now. <laughs> good. It's fantastic. Oh, good. So one of the big use cases, actually, Ian and I were just on a call with a customer so what we're able to do with Splunk, because Splunk aggregates all of your logs, and we can interact with web services and other, other external information stores, what we're able to do for this customer is bring in all of that data into one place so that he types in an IP address he's suspicious about, and it spits back all this information about the IP. So we're going to give him information from Shodan. We'll give him information from VirusTotal, from you know whatever, pick the blacklist or whatever, we're able to return all that stuff, integrate all of it, and then when he's, you know, when he's good and ready, we'll be able to actually alert him on it when, when something happens. So that, that's a huge security use case because a lot of these things will, like I was talking to him, they will force you into their own workflow where Splunk doesn't. You know, yes, you could use ES, and ES does all of that stuff, but sometimes you're not comfortable in that interface. Well, that's okay. You can build your own interface, or more accurately, we can build the interface for you, which is what Ian and I are doing. But it's, it's stuff like that. Stuff like that is where the new alert actions will really, really help because you can trigger some other thing to run and bring it back in. Sure. Um, so that, that's a great use case for it. Another great use case that people have, if, again, if you're not familiar with it, you pro- if you are familiar with it, you can just turn off now. Or you can, uh, you can listen. It's up to you, really. I wouldn't listen, though. If you're already familiar with it, you've heard this use case a million times. But it's the old badge swipe use case. You're splunking your door logs. So Tim's computer, Tim got up a few minutes ago and went to the bathroom, and he hasn't swiped back in yet. But Tim's computer's doing a whole bunch of things on the network or, you know, other things. That, that might raise some suspicious eyebrows. You know, he's downloading spreadsheets from the shared drive or something like that. You get all those logs into Splunk, you can, that's a good, use, solid use case. Somebody badges in it. You know, two different locations at the same time. Right. One location's in China, one's here. <laughs> right. Were you downloading Coldplay in China, Tim? <laughs> um, well. Probably. <sighs> Anyways. But actually, <laughs> if, you're looking for, if you're looking for other just general use cases, that's one companies use right now. You know, what kind of music do you like? What are you listening to? That sort of like that Shazam sure. app, that's all that's for. It's to figure out what kind of stuff you're doing because so, they want to be able to sell you things a little bit better. Interesting. So we, we've touched on that it's very agile. It's, you know, we, we that's what we specialize in is, it, is customizing it for unique business enterprise. Oh, you know. it's unique, all right. <laughs> well, back and, to Bill's point, I mean, with like ES, there's not a central point of entry, which I think is right. jarring for a lot of people. It, it know, very much is. And if you're a new user and you're not familiar with Splunk, you're not familiar with ES, it's very difficult to kind of wrap your head around. Eventually, you know, a lot of our clients do over time. They find the pieces and the parts that they're right. really interested in and they'll start working with it. But where we come in, especially from the, the, I mean, the front end side in terms of, you know, the visualizations, the dashboards, all of that is creating one central place from which clients can access the most pertinent information. And then, you know, if there's secondary and tertiary, like dashboards, that sort of thing, we can build those out too. But 
kind of bringing all of that data, whether it's external from external APIs or internal stuff directly from Splunk, we can kind of combine it all together into one central area for, for clients. A mishmash. Yeah. It's an amalgamate. <laughs> And again, okay. and again, I've worked with other sims. I've worked with other things. And the reason why we like Splunk and we use it isn't because they're just so awesome. They are. See, you guys don't have to email me. I just said you were awesome. Drink Splunk <laughs> um, at your next party. Right. It's, it's awesome, but... It's uh, what plants crave. A lot of the other sims won't let you do that. It's their way or the highway. And for for collaboration purposes, uh, whether it's internally or across industry... I don't know industry, what that means. Could you define Collaboration. Um, of course, sharing the information, um, oh, God, being able no, to work together, you know, have... No, no, we, we're one of those vendors that lock your data. We don't want you to ever have your data. <laughs> Which is not true. Um, no, it is not true. But, um, no, I mean, so, yeah, you can... There's a lot of these, like, threat feeds now. Everybody's into this whole information sharing. And it's, it's a real double-edged sword because I like Tim a lot, but Tim might not be the most thorough guy on Earth. Not this Tim, the hypothetical Tim. Right. Um, the one he, who likes Nickelback. The one who likes Nickelback. This is confusing. But, um, you know, hey, that's actually a valid point. Like, he could be slipping Nickelback into the data, and then I have to sit there and listen to Nickelback. I'm not going to be happy. I um, would be very happy. But we've Please actually seen <laughs> we've seen a lot of instances of this with this threat-sharing model that people are going to. Um, actually, what the customer was just referring to a little bit ago, they subscribed to one of these industry-specific search engines. Well, one of the places, one of the people that are sending feeds to the central place is putting an IP address and a port number inside of an IP address field, which if you're a human, you can look at it and go, oh, that's a port number. But if a computer isn't told to look at it there, and in fact, given a very specific, clear format, it's not going to know to look at it. So it's going to break all the intelligence you're building around it. So those, those kinds of feeds and those kinds of things are a little dangerous. You, it's, not, it's not a magic bullet. No solution is garbage in, garbage out. That is always... The case with computers, period. So, yes, it's great to share your information. Just make sure it's in a format people can actually use. I don't know where I read this, but somewhere earlier I was reading this article, and I liked the uh, comparison it it made to Splunk, and it said security. It's the security nerve center, so it can quickly detect, respond, and take action and win. Yeah, some marketing person wrote that. I know, but yeah. I kind of liked it. I just made this up, but I read it. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. I thought it was cool comparing it to a security nerve center. Well, Whatever. we think it's cool to just make fun of you. Great. So. Okay, cool. <laughs> I Glad we're on the same page. I in my head, so I typed it out and then I read it so I could tell you that I read it. <laughs> it's legitimate. <laughs> Poor Kelsey. It's and, and you know, Kelsey has to work with us all day. She sits like five feet from Ian and I. It's, it's great. The, the worst the two best. people in the entire company. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Are you okay? No. What am I doing here? <laughs> You're hosting. She just said that we called her out. All right. Let's just real quick, let's kind of wrap this up and talk about some best practices or approaches when it comes to Splunk. Something that I was thinking about was having having the end in mind. So having goals, you know, asking the right questions, stuff like that. That's outside of not having garbage data. Knowing what you actually want it to do is, is really important because if you if you go into a psychic, right, and you say, Tell me about my life, you're gonna get a whole bunch of general stuff. But if you kind of know what you want to get out of it, you're going to get that out of it, right? And it's the same with Splunk. It's not, it's not magic. It's not really a psychic. It, 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 you have to ask it the right questions. If you don't know what you're trying to get out of it, if you just go, eh, take a guess, that you're going to get a really bad answer. Yeah, we, we see a lot of times when, when people just start out with Splunk, they'll just dump everything into Splunk right. saying, oh, I need everything. But if you don't know what you're going to be asking it, 
then you have a lot of useless data you have to dig through right. that isn't really going to be pertinent to what you're looking for. By the way, Splunk wants you to do that, though. <laughs> for all those Splunk people listening, I didn't say that. All right. Splunk really wants you to put all of your data. But some of it is, you know, like, for instance, in Unix boxes, there's a line in syslog, which by itself is irrelevant. But it's tracking, right? It's, it's mark, 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 mark over and over and over again because it's just basically checkpointing the log. I don't need to see that in my Splunk data. Like, I don't need that taking up licenses. Because if I've got hundreds and hundreds of servers, I could take up a good gig of license easily with that. So I probably don't want that in my Splunk. But there's, and there's lots of examples of that. That's just a simple one. But I've seen, I've seen some bad logging. So it's like when lawyers print out, like, 400 pages, and, like, 10 of the pages say, this page intentionally left blank. It's, <laughs> it's exactly kind of, that's like what the log that. messages exactly are. exactly what and it is. By default, though, Splunk will take them all in and, and, and happily charge you against your license for them. But you don't, you don't need those, those the, things. The biggest thing that I see a lot is the perfmon stuff. Let's get all the performance monitoring data from all of our servers, but let's not do anything with it. Right. And it's just sitting there. And it does nothing. does nothing. And that, but actually, I mean, the perfmon stuff is really, really useful if you're going to use if ITSI use or if you're going to use, like, the monitoring apps. But we haven't seen many customers actually using it. Now, I use it um, on our stuff. Like the stuff that I collected on, like for like our portal and uh, other things, I'll use it for you know different things. But I don't go anywhere near in the depth that I would like with an Isinga or, or Nagios or something. Right. So I've I think, literally had two clients ask for Perfmon stuff for the past two years. <laughs> yeah, that <laughs> sounds about right. Yeah. So that, that's why I just tell like yesterday when uh, one of our guys turned it on, I was like, no, you could just turn yeah. that right off. All right, Kelsey, yep. what's next? Anyone else? Best practices? Never magic data. I said that already. Yeah. Garbage in, garbage I out. I know. I'm making a point. Yeah. <laughs> well, yes, well, no, the no. data does have to exist. Splunk does come with those uh, data generator stuff. Right. So you so could actually you could magic actually data. Magic data. <laughs> it just wouldn't, it would just be you garbage You know what's data. awesome about it? All the data, it's magically in the greatest format it's ever. It's the perfect format. <laughs> like it Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, despite our tomfoolery, it is actually a valid point in that we will have customers ask us for things that just aren't in the data. We can't just make it up. For instance, so... If you're sending me all of your firewall logs and not your monitoring logs, no, I can't tell you how long your firewall's been up or your performance of your firewall or anything like that. If the data isn't there, it's not magic. I think part of that is this trickle-down effect from management, yeah, oh, you yeah. know, where management's coming in saying, I want to see how many X of Ys we've got going Please on. Please give over me the all of your key performance indicators of X, Y, and Z. How's the network? Is it good is it or good great or today? <laughs> Whenever I hear that stuff, yeah. I just want to give them, like, a box with a random number generated in it, and the box is just green. That's all they care about. The first company I ever worked for, we had a, uh, we had a board up in our data center, and the person who owned it was not a technical person. No matter what was going on, we could all be running around with our hair on fire. That box was green on that board. It always looked green. It always had the little solid check mark. Everything was always performing optimally as far as he was concerned. It wasn't exactly a green box, but you get the point. I always wanted to do that for my upper management when I worked in, in you know, Fortune 500 companies. It was just make the box green. There's, there's an coded. urban legend. The one I said was actually true. We, we did do that because I wrote the code, so I know it was a real thing. <laughs> But there's an urban legend, and it, it varies from if it was Errol's video or Blockbuster or whatever. I don't, know, I don't know how true it is. I know people have told me about it, like they actually were there and saw it. But then I've read about it later. 
owner of the company invested like a million dollars in his data center. And the problem was back then, in the 90s, you know, we didn't have super blinky lights. You know, we had one light. It was red or green. It was on or off. That was it. He wanted, he spent a million dollars. He wanted blinky lights. So they stringed Christmas lights in all the uh, cabinets and made them blank. And then he came in. He goes, this is what I'm talking about. So <laughs> it's a prime example of what, you, uh, what you're referring Sony to. Sony saw one too many hacker movies. So, again, I have no idea if that's actually true. But that's where the idea came from to fool the guy at my first company because I'm not clever enough to have come up with that on my own. So, so there you go. Yeah, Kelsey. I don't know. <laughs> There's some best practices. Lie. Lie to your upper management. It will always work for you. <laughs> Great. That's sarcasm, by the way. How long have we been working with Splunk? A bazillion years. About four years, I guess. Four or five years. Why over some of the others? Because it's open. It lets you do things with the data as opposed to locking it all in some stupid format. I mean, there are open source ones out there, and they're great, um, and they work well. Uh, the problem is I could never put a customer in front of one and say, go search it, because you got to write code, basically, to search a lot of them. I mean, some of them are getting better. They've got better front ends now, and they've got other things. But even, like, the most popular one out there is, uh, I think, Kibana. And while it's great, you're still not going to put a business user in front of it and say, build a dashboard. You're just not. Because you got to write code to build that dashboard. Uh, it's not very clear or simplistic to write alerts. So you can't really put um, security analysts in front of it and say, write your own alerts. Because, again, you got to write code for it. That all sounds really great to the developer that came up with it. But it's really hard when you have to implement it and put a customer in front of it. Uh, Splunk just looks better. Uh, it wins over the commercial ones because it's more open. It wins over the open source ones because it's a little more of a controlled environment. It's not quite as... Crazy. Now, if I were building a service where I'm presenting a dashboard and I'm collecting all this data myself and I'm doing all this other stuff and not in various Splunk implementations, I might choose something else because I have more control over it and the customer doesn't have to actually do anything with it. But if you need something for a customer to actually use, Splunk's pretty much it. The other ones are just not that good. If you tried to set a normal business user in front of Hadoop or Elasticsearch or any of those things, their eyes will glaze over and they will hate you forever. Because IT people tend to think all people are IT people. And developers are especially guilty of that. Because they think everybody's a developer. But in reality, nobody's a developer. Right. Even developers are Even developers, really developers are barely they're just, developers. They're just really good at Googling stuff. It's true. And copy and pasting. Overall, Splunk is a, it's a robust tool. And today we talked about Splunk's impact when it comes to the world of security. <laughs> our yays, our nays, new release stuff the Internet of Things, Etsy, best practices, and that's it. So I'm done. <laughs> Do you like drinking mysterious green liquids? Then come on down and trust Splunk. Splunk, it's Splunk, it's Splunk, it's Splunk, bro. You oh my God, will take a brown bag and fill it up with delicious Splunk. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs> now we're for more sponsors.